I'm Courtney. And I'm Allison. And we're Courtney and Allison, and this is the Double X Files, a podcast that is sometimes about the X Files. Today, Allison, this is about making some movies. Going to Hollywood. Yeah, going to the Great White Way. More like Holly Weird, am I right? The Great White Way is in New York, Courtney. Oh. (laughs) You know, New York, the Hollywood of New York. The Big Holly Apple. (laughs) Wait, uh, Rodeo Rodeo Drive. I know nothing about Hollywood except for it's not a real nice place to visit. <laughs> yeah. No. West Hollywood, much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about this episode of The X-Files, which was written and directed by David Duchovny, and, spoiler alert, it g- milked, I will not say got, I will say milked, at least one genuine laugh out of me, Courtney, <laughs> And I'm not ashamed to admit that I had um, a little bit of a good time with this one. <laughs> I, um, I would like to first formally thank you for not using the word milked in that context. <laughs> oh, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had some. Uh, I had some chuckles. The way I felt about this episode overall um, was that I think I would have really enjoyed it if it had been any other show, right? But the problem is that I just don't really like the X-Files, so I was like, I mean, I guess. Yeah, it's like when I watch a Marvel movie when it's supposed to be funny and other people laugh around me, and I'm like, no, I'm not gonna. But this one, <laughs> I I think, well, we'll get into it, but mostly my laughing was, what, what, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? Totally. Um, why don't you give us the Netflix descriptiono? God, I would love to. Um, so this was season seven, episode 19 that we watched is called Hollywood AD. And here's the description. A Hollywood producer follows one of Mulder and Scully's cases as research for a feature film starring Taya Leona, Taya, Le- oof, Taya Leone and Gary Shandling. Allison, it's been a while since I saw my friend Gary Shandling. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Gosh, where did he go? Is he still on? Uh, I gotta tell you, I do not know. Is he still making comedy in the year of our Lord 2019? Or maybe he's, uh, he's undead and he's actually Gary shambling around like a zombie. Yeah, and it's T, uh, baloney. Because <laughs> she's also dead and not a real human, I guess. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I throw up a rock, so you gotta throw up a boulder. <laughs> Look, what are friends for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are the cold open is Gary Shanlin and Tia Loyoni, who, again, if you don't have the cultural touch tone from, I guess, well, what, like, did the David Letterman show, like, fucking Gary oh. Shanling's many comedy specials? I don't know. You would have no idea who these people are. Taya Leone was in, like, Relic Hunter or something? Dang. Fuck. (laughs) You would have no idea who these people are. Um, And this episode was dated itself in several ways. But they call... They're in a a spooky graveyard, and there's zombies and a, a priest, and it's Mulder and Scully, and it's very bad. And um, they're fighting monsters, I guess. Yeah, and it's supposed to be, like, real goofy. Like, Gary Shandling's is, like, real goofy, over-the-top version of Mulder. Um, and the Pope is, like, or this, the, you know, the the um, pl- pontiff is this over-the-top smoking man type villain figure. But I was like, I mean, this is just the show, though. Like, this is pretty much just the show. <laughs> this is just the show. Like, this is just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> though, the best part about this episode is for me as always our buddy mitch yeah what ends up happening is 
the kind of camera pulls out and we realize that this is on screen, that people are watching this as a movie. We see Mulder and Scully dressed uh, up, watching the movie, looking very uncomfortable because their two characters are kissing. Uh-oh. <laughs> and Skinner is just mugging for that camera oh it's so good he's eating popcorn he's got the shit-eating grin on his face i love him (laughs) uh it made me laugh quite a bit (laughs) again if it was the x-files i'd appreciate it Uh, if it wasn't the x-files i'd appreciate it more but yeah made it uh, skinner mugging for the camera i don't think we'll ever ever see again i feel like he really got you know, he kind of really got to do his thing in this episode, and I did appreciate that. Yeah. No, I thank you. Thank you, David Duchovny. Oh, that, that feels weird to say. I, that feels weird in my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so then we do uh, kind of backtrack, right? Yeah. Can you explain to, like, how did this whole situation start? Okay, so we go back in time. We're in Skinner's office with Mulder and Scully and this other real rutabaga sitting on the couch. And, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so Mulder and Scully are talking about this case where there's been an explosive that's gone off in the crypt of this church, and this this guy in the back is just making rude comments every five minutes, and um, they're saying, Scully's saying to Mulder that the uh, the guy who is the head of that church is like a really big deal in American Catholicism, and that he might even be the first American Pope, which is um, my favorite cover of Mitski's Your Best American Girl, but uh, <laughs> but this guy in the back, he just he's just having a, a gay old time, but not the could, good kind. And not a, well, maybe I don't know. Him <laughs> and him and Skinner are friends, and yeah, they go way back. Skinner, do you think? Whoa, do you think they went to Nom together? They definitely went to college together. Nope, I said Nom. <laughs> oh, you said Nom. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know if they did because I don't think that guy's been to Nom. <laughs> this is my hey i gotta admit ever since our mr sheffield conversation i've been playing a new game uh with male characters of the age of <laughs> you know that age of asking turning to call and saying hey you think he went to nom and then you really think about it <laughs> i'm so glad that i could have brought this into your life um it's, oh by the way one thing i forgot to include in my yeah. um my mr sheffield skill testing questions oh, is God. uh what do you think oh, wait. his hold on let's do the theme song to the fanny uh the nanny fan cast yes yeah, sorry here it is um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you think his political affiliation is oh a hundred percent right rank wing you are 100%. correct he is a republican Oh, if not libertarian. <laughs> he uh, voted yeah, for so, Reagan. He went to Nam. okay? <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> this man, on the other hand. This man, on the other hand, they probably did not go to Nam together, which is unfortunate. But they are really good friends, which is weird. Yeah. And can I tell you, there was, in this episode, there was almost a, like a prescient level of uh, jargon being used and that there were a couple different times that terms came up that we, I think, use actually a bit more heavily today. What? And one of them was this guy saying to Mulder, you know, I'm not here to eat your lunch. <laughs> Which is a phrase that I trade in regularly. That was actually a rewrite. The original line was, I'm not here to eat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, you mean the censors made them rewrite it. That yeah. makes sense. Look, I'm not here to eat your ass. <laughs> Which is, hey, Allison, which may I say is another line you use constantly. No, I mean, I actually use the inverse, which is, I am here to eat your ass. (laughs) Uh, Would you like me to do that for you? (laughs) But first, I'm going to eat lunch. Yes, my lunch, but I brought my own. Don't worry. (laughs) So the whole thing is, who is this guy's name? Did you know his name? Oh, the movie producer? No, I didn't catch it. No, it doesn't matter. Skinner's friend is how he is going to be referred to from now on. Yeah, I mean, he's basically a Chris Carter self-insert AU only written by David Duchovny, so. Ooh. Is this what David Duchovny thinks about Chris Carter? God, I hope not. <laughs> um, 
so he wants to make a movie, or he is making a movie. He needs to do some research, so he called up the old skin man. And I just don't like every time anyone says that, actually. Yeah, because the only thing I actually ever think of is foreskin when it's said, so I don't prefer that. Ah. <laughs> no, I don't prefer that at all. See, I always think they're slipping into skinhead, and that's even worse. Oh, that's, yeah, that's also, I actually prefer foreskin in that case. <laughs> Correct, yes. Hey, there's nothing wrong with foreskin. No, but I mean, I don't necessarily want to think about skinners. No. Well, <laughs> wait, okay, new game. Uh, this is the secondary game to Did They Go to Nam? Are they circumcised? <laughs> Oh, interesting. I don't mm. think I don't think that AD Skinner is circumcised. No. You don't. I don't think so. Interesting. Interesting. I think he's got that little that little hoodie hat, that little hat on there. Little turtleneck? <laughs> little little toque on there. <laughs> when I when I found out that like in the states, uh most people with penises are circumcised, it blew my mind. Yeah, that is wild. It's absolutely wild. It's like a thing that they do at the hospital when your baby pops out and they're little, they got a wiener. Uh, you want us to chop that off a little? Just do a little snip snip. Mm, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I first saw my first penis that had um, a trench, I was going to say a trench coat, but that's wrong. <laughs> uh, a little skin turtleneck. I was taken aback. Because it was like seeing uh, an uncut, like an unshaven or shaped poodle for the first time. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like I've had a very unique experience. Yeah. Um, which is that the the same, mm, the first circumcised and first uncircumcised dick that I saw were the same dick. So. <laughs> nice. You know, and you know, sometimes you you, uh, you deal with something, you care for your partner through the healing process, and you all come out the better on the other side. <laughs> that was a wild second date, huh? Oh, yeah! <laughs> so, they are going to this church because apparently uh, there was a, a bombing at the basement of this church, so they're going to figure out what is going on, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. They meet a, a priest, and he's kind of shady. He's your first American pope. He's... <laughs> you know what? If a, Amer- if a pope's going to be American, they're going to be kind of shady, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. First of all, every pope is shady, uh, yep. but I feel like your American pope will be your shadiest pope. There's some backroom deal. Hey, how did they choose a pope? What? Like, okay, I assume, I assume, like, a pope dies. Yeah. Then there's, like, nominees. Do you not, I'm sorry, you don't know how they choose the pope? Is it, like, do they have, like, a bunch of eggs and they have to, like, choose? This is just what I'm speculating um, because I've read the Bible a lot, actually, and I assume eggs are involved, and I assume that, because, like, Easter, right? Easter yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Easter's a thing. And so I assume that each Pope nominee grabs an egg out of a bottle of pickled eggs, and whichever one is not pickled, he they're the Pope. Now, I'm sorry, because I was under the impression that the smoke chose the Pope. <laughs> no, I think that... Wait, the smoke that comes in out the white smoke that comes out the chimney. Yeah, I thought it was like like a little like lost style smoke monster, and it just kind of zoomed around a room full of possible popes until it picked one. No, and then it went straight up out the chimney. No, I gotta I gotta fix your believing your beliefs because what happens is the pope eats the egg and then sits on the pope toilet, and then if the smoke that comes out is white, they are the pope. <laughs> But if it's other colors, then then you got a problem. You got a that's a that's a bad pope. You Look, got a bad pope in there. <laughs> bad egg, bad pope, bad shit. It's all connected. Okay, okay, I'm getting it. Right? Yeah. I just I I don't know how I connect Catholicism to just a big one of those big like Moses lack bottles of pickled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love it. Mm. So this guy who may or may not shoot white smoke up his ass, um, 
he says the church has many enemies, of course. True. <laughs> oh, actually, he flipped that around. The church has made many enemies because the church is awful. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, you do bad things, then you're going to make some enemies. He also says that the crypt that is downstairs where the bomb went off is, quote, God's refrigerator. He did say that, yes. <laughs> that's where he keeps all his eggs before he hey. goes to pickle them. Hey, that's... I love... Okay, if that's God's refrigerator, what's God's, like, microwave? Oh, the sun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, if you... If you put your TV dinner outside, it's real hot. It'll nuke up real good. Yeah, that's how you know that God is real. Yeah. Because <laughs> God knows how to cook a good egg. God cooks my hungry man. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the time where um, my sister and I, oh, God, whenever we were on long road trips, sometimes we would get, we were allowed to get TV dinners, which uh-huh. is a big thing. You know, like the old kids' cuisine. Mm. Yeah. And one time, I don't know if we were home alone, but my mom said we could pick out something for dinner. And my sister and I picked out a hungry man. (laughs) Just because how whimsical it was that, like, ooh, we're hungry men. And I'm pretty sure it... We split it, and we still, like, it was... It just made us feel so awful. Because there was no brownie... In the hungry man. Oh, well, what, what's even the fucking point I know, then? right? A TV dinner has to have all courses. Yeah. So we go to a beautiful POV camera. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, Mr. Duchovny's choices of just bringing a obvious crane into the um, church so he could get those tight crane shots, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, he's like, I know what I want. Because that knocks an extra... K, 2K, onto your production value, at least per day, for sure. Oh, yeah. They find downstairs, they find a bunch of rubble where the bomb went off, mm-hmm. and then they hear a ringing, mm-hmm. and it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, a Nokia phone. Yes! Now, is it, was it just, is it like an internet legend that Nokias are... Or were destructible? Or was it, like, real-time, this is an example of how... (laughs) Was this advertising? I don't understand. Oh, I mean, 100% it was native advertising. Yes. Oh, man. I saw someone, like, drill into a Nokia, like, twice, and then it still rung and you could still answer it. Those things. Hey, I dropped my phone in a sink full of dirty water two weeks ago. It still works okay. Wait, is that the phone that we had trouble with because we can't, like, talk because your call keeps dropping out? Yeah, but I dropped it in the water after that. Oh, so it fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so the phone the phone yeah. begins to ring, yeah. um, which is how they find it. And they're like, well, whose phone is ringing? And then Mulder leans down. He's like, Micah Hoffman's because the phone display says Micah Hoffman. But here is what I have an issue with. Uh-huh. When your phone rings... Does it say your own name? <laughs> or does it say the name of the person calling you? No, that is weird. It it doesn't say. It either says the nicknames I've programmed into my phone or that it's a spam number. Or yeah. nothing because no one fucking calls me. And that's the way I like it. But it doesn't mm-hmm. say my name. No. And I don't think that's ever been a thing. So, the, uh, you know, to come me, I gotta, I gotta take issue with you. This. This is the only part of the episode you have issue with. Well, it's the main one. <laughs> so they see the name of the guy on the phone, so they're like, let's check out this guy. He's an artist, and you can mm-hmm. tell that because when they walk into his art studio, there is a glass art of two people fucking. Heck yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they find that he has been doing forgeries of ancient biblical texts Mm -hmm. and uh one of them is this uh greek um what do you call it what's it what's the thing that the people oh gospel the gospel of mary magdalene (laughs) yeah ask me a heathen (laughs) (laughs) so this guy's written up this fake gospel of mary magdalene about you know how horny jesus was after he got resurrected yeah and um 
Is re- was resurrection just an allegory for a boner? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. Maybe people have been right now. If I may, I think the Bible. Maybe people are misinterpreting. You know, a lot of it, but especially the fact that Jesus maybe came back to life. I don't. I don't think Jesus actually died. He just couldn't get it up. Yeah. I mean, hey, that makes sense to me. It's like it's a boner death. You know, boner death. <laughs> Yeah, and so when he came back, he's like, hey, I'm back, baby. And, uh, you know, the reason that people interpret that wrong is because everyone is so insistent that Jesus didn't fuck. But let me tell you, Jesus fucks. Oh, Jesus fucked. Oh, Jesus fucked. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's that hit Kanye West song, right? (laughs) Jesus fucked. Um, you didn't, you, you, you didn't mention how they know this was a gospel and how they know this is a gospel of Mary Magdalene. It, it, it was Mulder showing it to Scully and saying, oh, this is ancient Greek. Can you read yeah. this? And she's just saying, oh, I'm pretty rusty, but this is exactly what it says. Oh, man. Did she like transfer, translate a couple like key words like oh it says jesus in there and it says fuck so (laughs) yeah probably she just those are the words that she knows in ancient yeah and they're the most important to know so right or how to order a beer where the washroom is and that jesus fucked those are the three big things that you need to know in any language yeah that's the main shit now this, Allison, my sweet, sweet boy, this is where things get off the fucking rails. Uh-huh. I, do- I don't, I don't, I don't know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, it got a little buck wild, didn't it? Like, I think David Duchovny was maybe doing some whippets when he wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, I need... Uh, just a bunch of cans of fucking whipped cream, please. <laughs> it's so important. It's so, just like, please, I need them for my creative process. We're going to make a lot of cake. <laughs> oh, boy. I Okay, so the Skinner's friend, the movie producer, is down in the basement of the church. In God's <laughs> refrigerator. And, and there's bones! <laughs> yep. The bones, uh, the bones just kind of start dancing. No, someone released Mark Snow from his deep, dark prison. May I say God's underworld? Uh, <laughs> and, and he just went full on carny. Like, <laughs> the chattering teeth sounds were really oh, something else. The Foley work on these bones. <laughs> It's as if they thought, you know what? You know what the audience of the X-Files need? They need to wake up. We've been boring as shit for a long time. Let's fucking make them feel like they're on ecstasy. Why not? Why not? Okay. Now, I love, I love some good bone play, Allison. <laughs> yeah. Just like any other red-blooded American. But why did it happen? I don't know. It had some real Fritz Lang Metropolis vibes. Right? Oh, weird. Yeah. Do you think it's, it's just, a reference to something? An illusion? I don't know. I thought, like, a, a lady in a little see-through slip was going to start playing a bone flute. I thought, yeah. Ooh. <gasps> I would love that. <laughs> Look, okay. This episode would have been more highly rated on my scale if it was just all bones all the time. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that's oh. all you ever really want or need. Oh, my gosh. Just like a little skull on David Duchovny's shoulder, like, hey, well, what's going on? What's cracking? Just like a little sidekick. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I did, I genuinely thought that these bones were a hallucination of the producer, and I was like, well, that's the cocaine talking. I mean, you know, Hollywood yeah. and all. Um, no, I- but, uh, yeah, it was really wild. The, the whole underpinning is is they also find this like weird bowl in the in the crypt in God's mm-hmm. refrigerator and Scully just pulls out the story that she learned from Bivol Camp about the Lazarus bowl and Lazarus is a dude who like Frankenstein himself or whatever 
He came back yeah. to life. And so are the bones and all the zombies and all the ghosts, they're just like, it was the Lazarus Bowl all along. Can I ask you something? <laughs> Do I have to say yes? Yes. Okay, yes. What is the first piece of media that comes to your mind uh, upon hearing the name Lazarus? Sounds like a gusher flavor. Oh, because for me, it's the movie Casper starring Christina Ricci. <gasps> oh, I don't remember that connection. Because Casper's dad built a Lazarus machine in the, in the oh basement of the, the house that would bring him back to life. And I don't know if you remember this, was Casper's dad was pretty hot. Yeah, no. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that the boy was very hot when I was 10 years old. Um, no, like, Casper the boy was hot, but Casper's dad, also oh, he hot. Was hot, too? Yeah. Well, I gotta Google this shit. This is from my memory, so if I'm wrong, if I'm okay. wrong, that's on me. But I remember him being pretty hot. How old were you when this movie came out? Oh, no, he was hot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's got, like, a real nerdy Dilf vibe. He's got, okay, oh, he's got, by the way, our hair, can I say. Oh, it's not Casper's dad, it's Christina Ricci's dad. No, is oh. it? I don't know. No, it's, I think it's Christina Ricci's dad. Casper didn't have a dad. He's oh, dead. Yeah. He's a dead orphan. And then he came back to life, didn't he? And he came back to life. He has, uh, his name is J.T. McFadden, and he had that... Gosh, way back, playback that Milo look from the movie Atlantis, the Disney movie Atlantis. My good friend, that is Bill Pullman. Oh, that's why he's so hot. <laughs> and why I've seen his dick so many times on HBO. <laughs> oh, Bill Pullman. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your <laughs> services. So anyways, that's immediately where my head went upon hearing about the Lazarus Bowl. Um, but they take it, uh, the idea is that the, the words that Jesus spoke to resurrect Lazarus are engraved into the sides of the bowl by the potter who was making it, like uh, grooves on a record. Yeah. So Skelly brings it to this uh, sound doctor. I hate who... him. Can I just say, <laughs> he was the worst. So he tries to figure out more bones, less him. Can uh, now here's the second instance of a phrase that is c currently commonly popular, um, oh. having been said. This is why I hate him, and why I kind of replayed <laughs> this whole scene three times to make sure what he said actually came into fruition, Allison. Because as he's realizing or like figuring out what the sound actually is, he says very clearly, <laughs> "Bazinga." <laughs> Which you may know is the catchphrase of Sheldon Bazinga from The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and also Young Sheldon, the TV series spinoff of, of that show. How? Courtney, what? I'm How? staying at my parents' house and they yeah. have cable. No. And last night I watched an episode of Jeopardy. Uh-huh. And there was a whole category in which the person giving the clues was the actor from Young Sheldon. Bazinga. Oh. <laughs> the kid the kid the little boy the little boy now was he cute was he casper cute oh he was cute but i don't think he was casper cute no no one no one's casper cute no one's bill pullman cute <laughs> i think the thing about casper was that like you know when he gets turned into a human at the end yeah he like he looked just like this other boy that i knew in real life that i had a huge crush on yeah yeah, everyone so, knew that toe-headed boy. Now, as in ter okay, I have a question you. For were you. the toe-headed boy. I, well, yes, correct. Um, uh, speaking of transformations, Casper is an instance where we go from a amorphous boy blob to a, yeah. a beautiful, sweet child like who yeah. all 10-year-olds have crushes on. Um, I remember during that same time, Beauty and the Beast came out. Oh yeah, and I have I have a true innocent question for you. It, was the prince hotter as a beast? Were you disappointed as a child with that transformation? Because I sure was. Yeah, you know I uh, I kind of was. <laughs> this guy, hey, this guy, ugh. 
Hey, I actually wanted to, the other one, I actually wanted to fuck the other one, please. Thank you. <laughs> please, thank you. Does that, is that, am I a furry now? Is no, that... I think it's just because we're gay. Oh. <laughs> we love bears, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Also, there's, you know, there's some uh, intangible narrative about transformation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, can we get back to this Bazinga mystery? I Fine. How, what is the linguistic ramifications that in the year 2000 someone said bazinga who okay were that were a lot of people saying bazinga at this time i don't where did bazinga come from vis-a-vis the big bang bazinga theory the big bazinga theory if you will (laughs) um which is what i'm postulating right now what was that i now i would have assumed that that was a word made up entirely for the show i thought so too i thought it was such a buck wild world that Allison, Allison, there are YouTube compilations of every Bazinga from Big Bang Theory seasons one through four. They use that to torture people. (laughs) Guantanamo. Urban Dictionary. I don't know. Like, Wikipedia doesn't have anything. I'm just, there's just so much of the, the, the man who loves to wear the Green Lantern shirt. I... Secret origin of Bazinga. What? (laughs) Look, HuffPost is going to be here to save us because they have an article. Do, 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 do. What is the secret origin of Bazinga from the Big Bang Theory? If it does not, if it says this is from the X-Files, I will go buck wild. I'm scanning. (laughs) I'm scanning. I'm scanning. Wait. <gasps> okay. As it turns out, though, the word wasn't initially in the script. Sheldon just told him it was a prank period. Parsons later recalled the actor who plays the Bazinga Man. I remember it wasn't in the script. It was one of those moments where we'd work on a scene and then you go and take notes from a producer and writers. If I'm correct, it was inserted right before taping, basically. It was like... That would work here. What if he said Bazinga after that? I. It's Ooh. just. Who is this writer? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh! oh Allison! What? Allison! You're Allison. losing it. I'm losing it. As far as I can tell, it first appeared on screen in a 2000 episode of The X Files in the famous Hollywood AD episode Bazinga! Bazinga! We just found the... I feel like Christ like myself right now. We just found the origins of Bazinga. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not Bazinga. It's Bazinga. B-U-Z-Z. Well, okay. Oh. Oh, my God. I... I just... The birth of Bazinga. The birth... Standing here with you at the birth of Bazinga... I I feel new again. <laughs> Allison, put me in the river and bathe me in the waters of Bazinga so I may be pure again. This is the gospel of Bazinga. <laughs> that is the most buck wild thing I've ever read with my eyes. I yeah, I can't believe that it's mentioned. That's amazing to me. I go, oh, oh, I gotta, I gotta fucking cool my jets, my dude. Cause okay, well, why don't I talk to you about a man being mad that Christ is horny? Please. Okay, so Mulder, uh, he goes back down into God's refrigerator, and he finds these sort of ripped up versions of the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. He brings them back up to my first American Pope, and he says, um... What are these and why did you rip them up? And the Pope's like, well, I thought they were real and I didn't know they were forgeries. So I got real mad because, you know, these say that Christ is horny and my Christ, my Christ is not horny. So I was extremely (laughs) upset about it because I just don't believe in that. And um, Mulder's like, okay, 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 okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happens there as far as I remember. I watched it an hour ago. And Dan Brown watched this episode and was like, hey, I got an idea. What if... Eh. What Everything is church, connected. Everything is connected, and the church is hiding that Jesus is really horny. And also, someone painted a painting. Wait, 
Da Vinci knew Jesus was horny, so he painted a painting. They fucked. Yes. <laughs> and they painted he painted a painting and it was the Mona Lisa and she's really smiling because she knew Jesus fucked. I can't believe that that was called the Da Vinci Code and not Da Vinci Secret Fuck Painting. <laughs> he would have sold a crime. so many. He would have sold so many more copies of that book. Are you kidding me? <laughs> In this book, Jesus fucks. <laughs> what bazinga? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, hey, I feel like we have learned something. The reason why I'm so excited about Bazinga, me, I I feel like we've learned something that was going to be on like a trivia, like a bar trivia, like the, the hard bonus question where if you get it right, you get a free beer. And now I have that piece of knowledge in my soul and I'm never letting it go. And it will come up. Uh, it will be useful at one point in my life, and I cannot wait to unlock that. Oh, you're just going to be walking on fucking air when it does. You're going to jump up and yell, Bazinga! I mean, that's Files! <laughs> um, actually, it originates in 2012. Uh... <laughs> okay. <sighs> oh. So There's... Skelly's doing an oh, autopsy. Oh, yeah, a zon- What the f- This also is just so... It's very a lot. I don't understand what's going on. Scully's doing an autopsy on Micah Hoffman, the art forger. Yeah. And um, as she's doing the autopsy, she looks away and then she looks back and he's he's stood himself up and he's like, I'm alive again. Yeah. And she walks over to him and tries to poke him with a scalpel and he says, ah, ah, ah. And then she drops it and she bends down and she cuts her finger and she looks back up and the zombie is back on the table as a corpse. And may I say, the Foley work in this scene was as if someone had just started sort of squishing lunch meat around in their meaty paws. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was real messy, huh? I didn't care for it. They were like, give me 200 grams of the honey ham and I'm just gonna <laughs> rub this baby around between my palms. Just get, Let's get real sloppy with it. <laughs> Gee. Uh, and then Skinner gets mad at them. Yeah. Skinner gets mad at them because this is the wrong body because the real artist who looks vaguely like Spike from Buffy comes walking in and he's like, I'm really Jesus. Yeah, I just didn't understand this. Like, I didn't understand Skinner getting mad at Scully for doing an autopsy on a suspicious death. Well, I guess miss... Okay, what he says is um, that... The ID on this man was the, the guy was the artist, right? That he had a wallet yeah. or something, or or did they just use the phone as their evidence? That is, I think they dumb. just used the phone. That but is, but also dumb. like he calls her scalpel happy, which is like she had to do the autopsy. She found a body. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he says, if I'm carrying Marilyn Monroe's purse, do you think I'm fucking JFK? Which is a great oh. analogy. Yeah, that's really something else, isn't it? I would and then he assume. said, Bazinga. I mean, <laughs> I would assume if you're going to fuck anyone, you'd be fucking JFK because he fucked everyone. Yeah, though apparently not that well. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, do tell. I read an article that he may have been a Minuteman. <laughs> Look, if I know something about men from Massachusetts, <laughs> it's that they don't fuck real well. <laughs> I mean, also, I think at that time, being a caring lover was not particularly cool. Also, full of drugs, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. How about Robert, though? Oh, I bet Robert was, like, extremely tender. No, he was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they were all bad, actually. All your heroes' dicks don't work, dude. <laughs> so... They figure out that this bowl was actually made by the artist because when the really awful Bazinga scientist man plays the bowl, I guess, he, uh, on one side is the lyrics to I am the walrus and on one side is the Lazarus spell. And so the artist made this bowl, but now it's like, is the artist actually Jesus? Because he says that he's, he's like, I'm Jesus, actually. And, and Scully's like, oh, but what if he's Jesus, though? 
And Mulder's like, Scully, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't get it. I just... And then they're like, hey, we got fired and we're off for, or we're on probation for four weeks. Let's go to Hollywood. Fuck this. Let's dip. Yeah, they got fired. Wait, no. They got um, put on probation because Scully cut open the wrong man? Or no? Yep. They misidentified. Or cut open a man and said, he's definitely this man, but he wasn't that man. Because okay. that man's Jesus. Let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about being on set. Okay. Because there were three things that made me just, in my bones, feel okay with the world. Okay. Number one, there was a dog on set. Yes, true. Big true. Oh, and you could see this beautiful background boy. Why was he there? No one knows. I think just for personal support. Uh, <laughs> number two, Gary Shanlin. Pretty good. Hey, May I say, as a former writer for Conan, I liked his style, especially how he delivered the line asking whether or not David Duchovny dresses to the right or the left. I do love that he just walked up to Mulder and went, hey, what that dick do? Now, I didn't know this was a thing. Oh, really? No, until I asked uh, uh, my male partner, Colin, penis-having partner, Colin, and uh, I asked him honestly like does it always hang to a particular side and apparently it does like it has a favorite side it's got a mind of its own bazinga (laughs) it's nestled on the left or the right just depends you know sometimes you're just cozier on one side right it's like i kind of equate it to you know how sometimes when you're sleeping on your tummy you turn your head to the right or the left and there's always a side where it's not as comfortable it's like Absolutely. that, only with a dick. Yeah, only with a little, uh, little roly-poly meat dog. The, ew. <laughs> <laughs> the third thing that actually made me a guttural, a sweet, pure, cherub guttural laugh came out of me is while Gary Shandling and David Duchovny is having this conversation, Tia Leone and... Scully are just clopping, running back and forth across the scene. <laughs> and it honestly, it pooked me so much. I laughed. Aw, that's sweet. It was a good, honest laugh. That was, and then that was the last laugh I'll ever have ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. You're done. You're um, cut off. Now let's talk about this bath scene. Yes, please, let's. Because I had seen this in many a gift set before getting to this episode. Correct. And I do think that it delivered what I was hoping for. What What were you hoping for and what did it deliver? I was just hoping that it would um, be, you know, like a little fun. And also that we would get to see a little bit of laid back Skinner, which it did. Um, yeah, that's all I really wanted. That's and all. that's what I got. Yeah, people know about the bath scene. It's cute because it's Scully talking to Mulder on the phone. They're like, yeah, I'm just... Uh, working on the computer. I'm just reading the paper. And then they also call Skinner because they're waiting. They're waiting for the wait. Is this before or after the where they see the movie? It's before. Okay. Um, and so they're all there for the premiere of the movie. Skinner came over and yeah. um, I literally what wrote, what the fuck is this episode about? Oh, no idea. It, I, just i don't know because the like the plotting of it is totally batshit right um it doesn't make any sense the you know the first half is them actually investigating this case and then that just gets dropped and then they go see this movie and then um skinner just calls them up and says like oh this guy like the you know the bad priest did a murder suicide yeah so nothing is really like obviously this is so weird because it's like a flop of when usually in the X-Files, nothing is wrapped up. In this case, it is wrapped up, but in the most unsatisfying way. Well, and that it's overshadowed by, like, goofiness. Yeah. And that, you know, of all the, like, hallucinations, if that's what they were, of the zombie and the, the, the bones, you know, none of that is really touched upon ever again. Yeah. Or explained. Yeah. Or just, like, hinting to this guy being Jesus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Can Jesus be shot? Uh, yeah, but only with silver bullets. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Um, 
So they see the movie. It's real awkward, but I need to talk about Skinner's hot date. Who's she? Please, yes. I loved her. <laughs> Just putting her whole tongue in his ear oh while Scully my watches. God. You think Beautiful. Skinner just, like, walked into the hotel, and then they met, and they're like, hey, you want to go fuck? And they're like, yeah. And then they went to this movie premiere, and it was a beautiful romance, and then they never saw yep. each other again. I think that's perfect. I think that's so romantic. Uh, also, what is romantic? Ghosts. Randy Zomber is just rubbing up on one another. <laughs> Mullen and Skelly leave, because apparently the the push of sexual tension that has pressed upon these two characters is just too much it was too obvious yeah. so they leave and they go to the set which is still around apparently even though the movie that is doesn't done. make any sense doesn't make any ding dong sense uh but they leave and she puts a popcorn bowl on a statue and that uh-huh. popcorn bowl was also the lazarus bowl because ghosts came out of the world yeah, because every time the little willow fig willow branch taps against the glass, it makes a sound like a like a record needle scratch. Are all can all bowls raise the dead? Oh, maybe let's try it. Okay, you go to the toilet bowl, and <laughs> I'll go to the Super Bowl, and then we'll try it out. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I mean, the Super Bowl is just going to play jock jams, but that's fine. Oh, I'm so oh, I love me some jock jams. Oh yeah, that will raise my dead any day. <laughs> uh yeah so these zombers all raise up and they just start rubbing up on each other like they're at an extremely inappropriate high school dance i just don't this is such a badly written episode yeah and before they before they leave like Mulder is having this little diatribe about like you know this is all people are gonna think of when they when they t- see us or talk about us like this this hollywood movie is all that they're gonna and i get like i kind of vaguely get what he's trying to get at where he's like you know this like Hollywood version of this is what people are going to relate it to, which obviously is an issue, but it's also an issue that the X-Files is extremely fucking guilty of. Yeah. So it's a bit rich when he says things like, um, the dead, you know, what are they, this is what they're going to think of the dead people who can't tell their own stories. Like, okay, bud, I don't think you have a high horse to ride on in this one. Why won't TV shows and our movies stop taking the voices of marginalized people and telling their own, they're telling their stories. Wait, what? Says I, a cis white man, David Duchovny. Don't get us wrong, Space Cadets. I did laugh at this episode, and I did enjoy it, but mainly because it was so buck wild. Yeah. It had some issues, but also, you know, it was a relatively more enjoyable time than other episodes we've recently watched. Yeah. I wonder if this was plugged uh, in a different position that we would tolerate it as much. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You want to rate this fucker? Yeah, let's do it. I read on a spooky scale. One is, uh, I will take a good nap. Five is, I'll never sleep again. I'm going to give this uh, 1.3, because those bones, baby. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> uh, I read on a rage scale. It goes from one, which means it's a great episode, all the way to first-person shooter, which sucked ass. Yeah. Um, and, okay, just bearing in mind what I said earlier that I, I realized that I probably would have enjoyed this episode more if I actually liked the X-Files. Yeah. I'm actually going to give it a four. Yeah. I agree. It was yeah. a breath of fresh air in this fucking grave we've dug ourselves, basically. I think it had some major technical and narrative errors, but it was enjoyable and not overly offensive, which is rare for this show. Right? And not offensive to my ears. And Tia Leone running back and forth was a delight. And we got a little bit of a little bit of Skinner laugh em ups, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Plus the origin of the cursed phrase. <laughs> Do not speak its name. I won't. I shan't. <laughs> um, hey, Allison. Yeah? I, I have a feeling you have a personal exile file for moi. Oh, yeah, I do. Nice. Come and tell us, dude, about the spooky thing that happened to you. Cause we'll never tell you that we don't believe you. Unless we get abducted, we will never leave you. We want to hear about your personal X-File. This one comes to us from... Vamping? Themirror.co.uk. Ah, our favorite Um, trustworthy news source. And I would love to give you this headline. Uh, Britain's sexiest ghost leaves fingerprints on the inside of mummy case. 
There's our almost, byline. There's almost more to unpack there than there is in this episode. <laughs> well, here's the byline. The blonde apparition has been seen on camera flashing her cleavage, but this is the first <laughs> fingerprint left behind. So uh, let's get into it. Let's just talk about this. Let's talk um, about this. First, I do have to look at the picture. So why don't you keep yeah. reading and I will look up this this sexy ghoul's sweet cleave. Okay. Uh, here's what the mirror has to say. A blonde spook left her finger and thumbprints inside a mummy case, according to ghost hunters seeking evidence of Britain's sexiest ghoul. The alleged <laughs> okay, fingerprints. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. Number one, see the picture. Nice. Uh-huh. Number two, <laughs> a blonde spook left her finger inside a mummy case is surely the most horniest thing I've ever heard you say ever. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Keep going. Um, the, the alleged fingerprints were found in an ancient Egyptian mummy's case at the Torquay Museum in Devon. The saucy specter, who spotters say has yellow locks and shows off her cleavage, has previously been caught on camera sashaying down the corridors. That's... That's some editorializing that I don't know about. The mirror, calm your tits, please. <laughs> please, you can't. Your journal, your journalistic integrity is... They don't have any, my friend. I guess not. <laughs> um, one... After the image of her in the old Devon farmhouse gallery was published, the attractive ghoul has quickly built a growing number of admirers. One fan said, this blonde bombshell certainly sent a chill up my spine. (laughs) Who knew ghosts could be so sexy? She could haunt my house and give me nightmares any day of the week. I certainly certainly want... God, one second. I certainly wouldn't want to see her busted. Now, who is this quote from? Uh, A fan. So someone on Facebook, probably... Oh, almost certainly. Oh, my God. It was me, Bazinga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for the actual fingerprint crime. Okay. Oh, it is a crime. Yes. Ghost crime. During the night on the inside of the case, we saw what we believe were handprints on the inside. He continued, it was pretty clearly two fingers and a thumb. Nice. The case had not been opened for seven years. And last time it was opened, it took seven men to open it. It was impossible for it to be opened by someone else. It is something we cannot explain as they were not there before the evening. It freaked a few people out. Okay. So they opened. Okay. They opened the case and there were f- yes. the fingerprints in there. A finger, two fingers and a thumb. So are you saying that like they had never opened this before? Well, they had opened it before ah. and the last time they opened it, it was seven years ago and it took seven men. And are you, hey, I'm just going to guess at, out of seven of those men, I would say at least one of them had two fingers and a thumb. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Shortly before the event, a female ghost was seen creeping between the artifacts. She was wearing old clothing, showing off all her assets as she emerged from the floor and cast her eyes down towards the light. So here's the thing, Courtney. This is not just a sexual ghoul, but also one that's kind of demure. Oh, and she does crime. She touches things. She's like, Uh hey, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. I just I just put my little fingers on it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just a sexy little ghoul. Oh. So that's a Oh. Oh, uh, um here's the other the last note. The museum was founded in 1844 and its highlight is the mummified remains of a 4-year-old boy from ancient <laughs> Egypt. Wait. Okay. So out of all the potential ghosts to do crime, it's the saucy wench and not this four-year-old boy. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, children don't want revenge for having their bodies dug up by fucking colonial fucking anthropologists and tossed in another country. No. Nope. Instead, you get the you get the busty blonde who's like, ooh, ooh. I'm sexy, but also I'm, I'm shy. <laughs> I love sarcophaguses. that was just like this episode buck wild thank you yeah it was a lot huh it was a lot correct uh you know what else is a lot allison 
What? Doing podcasts. It's hard. Uh Uh-huh. We are part of the Major Cast Network, and we are a bunch of podcast artists who craft finely woven pods for your ears, and um, it's, it's tough work. If you'd like to listen to us, or you want to listen to any of our sibling podcasts, you can go to, what, is it Major Cast Network? Um, dot com? I believe Major it's MajorCastNetwork.com. That is correct. You know what? They can figure it out. If you go to your little podcast app and you look up MajorCast, it's all, it's in there. What kind of podcast do, does the Major Cast Network also do other than ours? Oh, they, you know, it's a variety of great podcasts about different topical topics like films and books and uh, specific creators and also just all kinds of different media and and current events topics. Uh, And um, you might enjoy this one. Hello there. My name is Katie Wright and I host Brett Easton Hell Yes, the only podcast dedicated solely to the works of Brett Easton Ellis. Who is Brett Easton Ellis, you may ask? Well, he is the author of such generation-defining novels as American Psycho, Less Than Zero, and The Rules of Attraction. He famously took on such topics as the nihilism and pessimism of the 80s, the entitlement of the wealthy, uh, and the evils of capitalism. Sounds great, right? Well, it's not that simple, because he's also the man who recently wrote a book that's just basically about how much he triggers millennials. Uh, And he's also the man who once famously said that women can't direct. Uh, There's a lot to unpack with Brett Easton Ellis. He's wonderful and terrible. I love him as much as I hate him, and I hope that in listening to this podcast, you will come to feel the same way. So please join me on my journey through the wildly inconsistent and problematic, but deeply delightful sometimes works of Brett Easton Ellis on Brett Easton Hell Yes every Sunday on the Major Casts Network. Dang, it's good. Dang, it's good. Now, if you want to support us or anyone at the Major Cast Network, um, you can go to patreon.com slash majorcast and you can slide some money towards us. Mm, yeah, we love Even it. a dollar helps us out a lot. Yes. Now, Allison, it's time for predictions. Woo! Anything could happen based on a name. Anything could happen when you're playing the prediction game. Tell me, Allison, what's it gonna be? A way to dredge up all of your childhood anxiety. Uh, it's your turn to predict, right? It is, yeah. Did I get some points? Uh, I think I feel I like did. you maybe got a half point. Half? I think I, I think I nailed this one. No, you said it was going to be literally exactly like the episode of Supernatural. Oh, damn it. Okay, I'll take a half point then. Yeah, I think you do get a half point for someone making a movie out of the X-Files, but your other half point was that the movie maker was somehow prescient. Okay. Okay, so I'm at two. I think you're at three. Yeah, I think that's correct. Dang. Okay. Uh, oh, we have three more episodes left, my dude. Yeah, it's getting getting close. Cool. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, season 7, episode 20 is Fight Club. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. Yeah, uh-huh. The Fight Club? The yeah, Fight no, Club? Not the Fight Club. It's just Fight Club. Okay, I think okay, I think it's a it's a it's a monster fight club for monsters. <laughs> um, nice. And I think it has a message. I think it tries to have a message about the dangers of toxic masculinity, but I think it completely fails in delivering that message. Oh, like the 99 movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Excellent. Okay, so it eludes it ha- uh, would you get like half point for like literal monster fight club half point for toxic masculinity yeah half point okay. for commentary on masculinity half point for edward norton <laughs> i don't want to see his no. face nor jared leno nor helen bottom carter but meatloaf i will definitely take was jared leno in fight club hells yeah okay interesting <laughs> so was meatloaf 
Yeah, I mean, hey, can't get enough of that loaf, huh? Yeah, right. Is that it? That's it. We're done. Oh, thank goodness. Until next time, the truth Truth is is out out there. there. Bazinga. Bazinga. (laughs) We're cursed now. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun. Stay nasty. And stay major.